Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Hey, everyone. Welcome to No Meat Athlete Radio, episode 155. I'm Matt Frazier, joined by a traveling Doug Hay. Doug, I don't even know where in the world you are. I know you're at a beach somewhere, but I don't know what state or country or what. I am in Narragansett, Rhode Island, looking at the beautiful Atlantic coast. Very nice. Good. Yeah. So that's, uh, that is the reason why we're doing a little something different for the next two weeks, because I'll be traveling next week out to California. So for this week and next, we're going to be playing some best of NMA radio episodes from the vault, as, as we like to call it. Um, so we've got, we've got Golden Harper, CEO and co-founder, I guess, of uh, Ultra Running, A-L-T-R-A, a company that... When we did this interview, I mean, they were they were getting big then, no doubt about it. They were the, the headlining sponsor or whatever they would call it at uh, at the Runners World event that we went to, and yep. that's where I got to know Golden. Uh, but I think since then they've they've blown up much more. I, I just see their shoes everywhere now. They they are no longer a niche running shoe company by any means. They're they are one of the big players in my eyes anyway. Um, but anyway, this was a great interview. Golden has so much good information. We've both seen him speak a few times, and. Uh, he just has done so much research about running form and running shoes and what it takes to not get injured. So uh, that that's what I think made this interview a good one. Yeah, uh, were you you were actually on this interview, right, Doug? I was. Yes, that was with that was before days. before you had cut me out of uh, of <laughs> interviews. <laughs> that's right. Before I slowly started cutting you out of. <laughs> um, yeah. So so you will hear a little bit of different format. For that reason, and I mean, I think I don't remember how this. Inter- I remember this being a really good interview. Tons of good information from Golden. Um, I'm. I still think of myself as a pretty awkward interviewer, and I, I imagine I wasn't any better when I had less experience. So, uh, who knows? <laughs> but um, we should mention that the that the giveaway mentioned in this in this interview is no longer valid. That was that was from two years ago or whatever we did this episode. So don't uh, do what do what we say there to go leave a comment to try to win. However, something you can do that is fun and totally valid and current is you can vote for us to win a 2016 Veggie Award from Veggie News Magazine. Yeah, exactly. Confetti and and celebration. <laughs> we were nominated, I, I assume, by a listener of the podcast. I don't really know. Or maybe Veg News does their own research and picks the nominees. I don't know how it works. But uh, anyway, we are we are right there on number question number 39 under favorite podcast, we have some pretty stiff competition. Uh, Our Hen House, Rich Roll, Jazzy Vegetarian, Food for Thought, Main Street Vegan. I mean, lots and lots and lots of big podcasts. So um, I don't have too many hopes of us winning, but still, I figured we'd throw it out there. And if people want to go in there and vote for us uh, as a small way of showing support, that would be awesome. By the way, you don't have to answer all the other questions, I don't think. I think you can just go through and pick the ones that you that you care about. Cause, and there are a bunch of cool things that you that you might care about, like favorite cookbook, favorite blog. I mean, all kinds of different stuff. Um, so anyway, we, we made a link for that. It's nomeatathlete.com slash vote. And if you go to that, you can uh, show your support and you can also just be a part of, of these awards and they're, they're fun. It's a fun way to vote for your favorite vegan stuff. Yeah. And it's an honor to be listed alongside those other podcasts. Here. It absolutely is. Yes. It is. A, it is a very special thing. So that's why we are mentioning it really. Yeah. Uh, last thing I've got is people who are are dedicated listeners will have heard my interview with Jason Robel a few months ago where he raved about this Ruby cooking school R O U X B E.com said how much he liked it and how I think he said something like it was just as good or better as better than his uh his actual in-person cooking school that he had gone to before he I guess became known 
Um, so I went ahead and enrolled in this course, in their plant-based professional certification course, which uh, has just started, and I'm super excited about it. It's a six-month-long thing. So anyway, uh, if, if people are interested in checking out that, uh, you can go to ruby.com slash plants slash tuition. Uh, this course is just about ready to start, but I think they're going to be doing uh, future versions. So that, that's where it is. You'll hear me mention it several more times, of course, but just in case somebody wanted to try to get in uh, in the, the, the running of the course that I am in, that's, uh, that's what to do. I am really excited that you decided to, to actually pull the trigger and do this. That's, yeah. That's good. yeah. I, I needed something like this. I don't know. I just, I, I work a lot. I've got the kids and I'm really excited just to have something that, that, I mean, I guess it has to do with work for sure, but uh, that's not the reason I'm doing it. So it'll be really fun to do something different. Okay. uh, That's it. Let's get to the interview. We'll talk to you all next time for another From the Road, From the Vault interview. All right. Sounds good. All right. Bye. Hey, everyone, it's Matt. I'm here with Golden Harbor, founder of Ultra Running Shoes. Golden, how are you doing? Doing great, thanks. Great. Well, thank you for being on here. Uh, it's it's a real pleasure for me because, like we said in the intro, Doug and I had a really great time at the Runner's World event hearing you talk. This is the first time that we've had uh, a brand, you know, the head of a brand be on the podcast to talk about their brand. Usually it's, it's uh, authors or, you know, just other interesting people. So I think to some people this will come off like it's an ad. Uh, but it's absolutely not. I mean, we had we had just were blown away by your talk at Runner's World. Neither of us had really worn ultras that much. We had tried them out a little bit, but we both said the same thing coming away from your presentation about the shoes, which was that now we really wanted to love ultra shoes. And it had been like you know, because as you've said, and I'm sure you'll explain it when we when we talk here, the uh, the toe box is a little bit bigger because it has the foot shape, and it doesn't feel like a traditional shoe i mean at first, you know it's not as snug around the toes and everything like that so you know it just feels different and at first it was like okay this is this is different but after hearing you talk it's like okay now i understand why it feels different and you know so I, i'm really looking forward to it i still have the uh the i don't know i'm blanking on the paradigm i think the the maximal yeah. one yeah so i still have that waiting to get the the more minimal one that's kind of a more of an everyday shoe for me but uh anyway i wanted to just dig in with the company and also talk a lot about running form why runners get injured because it's it's very clear or was very clear from your talk that you had done a ton of research about this sort of thing and just know so much information so hopefully we can just give people a lot of really useful stuff about that so awesome. to to get us started um i think a lot of people who have read born to run which is a lot of people <laughs> know that that runners get injured i think i don't know 70 percent might be the figure that was quoted there um why is that so much? I mean, from your perspective, down to, you know, one or two or three reasons, why do so many runners get injured? Well, um, I think the first reason uh, is that this is the only sport that we don't teach people how to actually do the sport um, before we tell them to go do it. So, um, you know, there's a joke about throwing people in the deep end of the swimming pool and hoping they learn how to swim kind of thing. But that's basically what we do with running. And if you look at any other sport, uh, the majority of time is spent on technique with a smaller percentage of time spent on actual physical conditioning and training. And uh, running is the really the only sport where we spend virtually no time on technique, even people with coaches. Um, no time on technique. Uh, those of you who ran cross-country in high school or college uh, can probably think back. And if you were one of the few that had your coach actually 
you know, teach you about arm positioning or, or um, leg angles or landing angles or um, posture or cadence or vertical oscillation or any of these things, you would be extremely rare. Um, so even in, even at the levels where we're coaching people, we're not we're still not giving technique. So to me, that's number one. Number two, uh, we know from the research repetitive motion. Um, this is why uh, treadmills, um, even though they're soft, or tracks, um, even though they're soft, don't provide less injury uh, than uh, the road, okay. for example. Um, so non-variable surfaces. Um, joint torque, we know, is um, probably more of a contributor to injury as well than even impact. Um, and so, to me, there, you know, there's a few reasons. We basically run in straight lines on flat surfaces uh, without knowing how to minimize the risks. And, that, uh, and then the biggest one I can't prevent, <laughs> uh, runners are just going to overtrain. <laughs> like we just can't hold ourselves back. We just can't do it. You know, it's like we get so excited about the progress we're making or whatever, and we just take it too far every time. So, you know, I joke all the time, like, Hey, we can work on your form and your technique. We can help you with your training. We can get you on, you know, um, uneven surfaces. Uh, but when it comes to getting you to not overtrain, <laughs> I don't know. Do and, and and realistically, that's probably the, the number one contributor to injury. Okay. So. Really? so it's interesting to me that you didn't even mention running shoes. Like you didn't you didn't go to blaming all the modern running shoe technology uh, that you know with the big cushioned heel and and the the big drop between heel and toe. I mean, is that that's a major contributor, right? Or is it just not? Are you just thinking that's not doing what it should to prevent injury? Uh, I think that's wrapped up in technique, and you know. Uh, I don't want everybody to come here and think they're just getting a bunch of propaganda from Ultra. Mm -hmm. sure. um, so, um, but for sure, I mean, the reason the company was started because of the video analysis we did on um, when uh, high-speed video first came available and let us see things in slow motion really clearly. It was very obvious that runners ran, uh, you know, a certain way in flats or spikes or, or no shoes or five fingers. Um, and then as soon as we put on traditional running shoes on their feet, everything went out the window, looked definitely different, uh, landing farther in front of their body, worse landing angles, worse posture, more impact, more joint torque, all that stuff. So when we looked at all that stuff, it was like, dang, you know, we got to do something. Right. Okay. So I, I do want to get, I want to go back there and talk more about um, the minimalist thing and, and why we've kind of seen the the sort of backlash and and all the reports of people who got injured with minimalist shoes when they were supposed to save everybody, um, but but first while you're on the topic of just how the company got started, the story's great with with the toaster and all this and and the way you tinkered with shoes when you were younger. So can you just tell us like the short version of of that and just you know I it, it's it said it sounds like you started the company deliberately once you saw all those things, but the beginning of it it sounds like it was almost accidental, just kind of messing with shoes and then people started wanting them. So can you give us a little bit of taste of that? Yeah. Um, the short version. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> well, we, uh, I was, uh, working at and managing, uh, the running store that I had grown up in that my, my, uh, family, uh, owns. And, uh, at the time I had just come back from living in Hawaii for a couple of years. And, uh, I just told you about the video analysis we were doing at the store. And so really the whole thing, I never meant to start a shoe company. Uh, I just meant to help my customers at the store. 
And as we were trying to, you know, fix the injuries of our customers coming into the store, we did this video analysis and, and found this huge differential in running technique. And running technique was huge to my dad as he's bone on bone and literally has to run with great technique or, or Kenyan or African running technique to be able to run at all. And so uh, when we saw the video showing that the shoes we were selling people were making people run with worse technique than they otherwise were and causing more, you know, joint impact and, and uh, joint torque and whatnot, we were, you know, alarmed, I guess. And we thought, you know, we need to figure something out here. And so I had the theory that, well, you know, as we, as we watched the video, the difference is when the foot swings out in front of the body, the, the heel drops. And then as the foot swings underneath the body, the heel catches the ground earlier than it otherwise would. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I had the theory that the weight in the heel was causing the heel to drop when the foot swung out in front of the body. And then the excessive height of the heel was causing it to catch early since it was already in that, um, you know, heel down state basically. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so I went home and popped a pair of shoes in the toaster oven <clears throat> and, uh, <laughs> I know everybody laughs. It was like normal at my house though. Uh, <laughs> like I was, you know, it's like I did this and went upstairs, you know, Hey, you just pop these shoes in the oven and did this. And you know, my family's like, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, it was, wasn't like okay, you weirdo. Um, right. And and the reason, just to clarify, because I had to ask you this when we were there, is you said that that kind of softens up the glue, so that then you can take the the sole off. Is that right? Right. And that particular shoe, I took it a little too far, and I melted like the laces and <laughs> some of the TPU in the upper. And it was one ugly beast. But um, the point is, I got the midsole out with the raised heel, took the outsole off, put in two flat pieces of cushy Spenco foam, um, and put it back together, and then. You know, made sure it was weight balanced. So, you know, take the shoe 50-50, make sure that the front of the shoe weighs the same as the back of the shoe. Um, and uh, and then went and ran and then checked out the video. And I was blown away both running in the shoe because for the first time I didn't have to fight my shoe when I was wearing a regular, you know, cushion training shoe. And, uh, you know, then looking at the video, precisely what we expect or what I had expected to happen happened. As, um, as the foot swung out in front of the body, it stayed more parallel to the ground. And then without the excessive heel height, the, the foot was able to swing more underneath the body and let the body land in a position to let that big three-foot spring from your hip down to your foot bend and absorb impact. So the landing was more bent knee. The landing was closer to the body instead of more out in front of the body. And we know all that stuff reduces you know, initial impact about three times which is a huge number, and joint torque um, anywhere between 33 and 45%, which is also a huge number um, with that. So so that was really kind of how the first ultra prototype was created, I guess. Okay, and then people started started actually wanting those shoes, right, at your store? <laughs> yeah, out of time to accident, too. <laughs> um, I, if I remember correctly, we had, we had a customer – that had kind of tried everything. They had this knee injury or whatever, tried, you know, the most supportive shoes, most cushioned shoes, orthotics, physical therapy, couldn't fix them. And at the time we were tinkering this, you know, we knew on the video people looked a lot better and, you know, we were improving their technique and reducing torque and impact. So it was like, 
well, hey, we got this idea. You know, you've tried everything else. This is kind of a last-ditch effort. We took this shoe. We cut the heel cushioning out of it. Um, and, uh, you know, we've expanded the uh, toe area um, and skipped the laces on the bottom half of the shoe, basically. And, you know, it should let your foot relax more. Should help you run with better running technique. And, you know, maybe it'll help your knee. Maybe it won't. I don't know. And as it turns out, you know, it, it did. Um, and, um, you know, this person started telling friends and then they started coming in and, uh, we were working with a shoemaker down the road. Um, uh, we built like 20 pair to test with our staff basically. Um, and so anyway, people started coming in they, they wanted to try the modified shoes and we were like, you know, there, there are no, they don't exist, you know, and in about this time period, I guess right after people started trying them, I came up with the term zero drop to describe that the cushioning no longer dropped from the heel of the forefoot. If you look at any running shoe, the midsole is twice as thick in the heel as it is in the forefoot. So the, the, the shoe literally, you know, the, drops from the heel down to the forefoot. I had to come up with a creative name, happened to come up with zero drop. And then people started coming in and saying, hey, I want to try the zero drop shoes. And we were like, well, there's no such thing. <laughs> and and they're like, oh, I know this guy, and he says you have them, and we know they're in the back, you know. And it was like, yeah, okay, that that is true. <laughs> so we would go grab these modified shoes, and people would try them. And, and we were starting with like original, like jazz originals from like you know the shoe was first built in 1984. Uh-huh. How ghetto this outfit was it in the beginning, and yet people are having amazing success with it and telling all their friends. To the point that it kind of got out of hand. Um, and it was just crazy. It was cultish in a way. Um, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's uh, that's kind of how things got going. And we sold like a thousand pair that first year. Um, people would, would buy a shoe. What we did is we had pairs they could try. And then they would buy the same pair, non-modified, and take it a mile down the road <clears throat> to the shoemaker and pay him the 20 to 50 bucks to get it modded. <laughs> so, and then we, we did a smart thing. We sent out surveys with all of these shoes to determine what was happening. And so we got just tons of surveys back, you know, showing like, yeah, you know, um, you know, it helped this, it helped that, it changed this, it changed that, you know, it didn't change this, it didn't change that. So we really had a, a wealth of data, um, because at the end of the day, we were really just trying to help our customers. And the last thing you want to do as a running store is, is hurt your customers because then they aren't going to come back. Right. And so that data was really important to us to know, you know, what effects the shoes were having and if they were actually helping the customers. So, and as, as fate had it, you know, uh, they were superb. Gotcha. So. And we should explain Ultra is, is spelled A-L-T-R-A since this is a podcast and people are mostly listening to it. Um, yes. and that, that harks back to, to altering shoes or, or an alternative or what is it? Yeah. You, uh, I always say it's, um, so the, the initial name we had was Altera, which, uh, due to trademark issues, we couldn't use. Hmm. And Altera means, uh, to mend or fix something that is broken in Latin, I believe. Um, and that was literally what we were doing at the store. We were altering these shoes to basically fix people and their injuries, you know? Um, and so that was kind of where it came from. And then we, we had to change the name and, um, you know, we run ultras 
and ultra distances and um, we were altering shoes. So alter plus ultra equals ultra basically. Yeah. And then on top of that, you know, we definitely look at this as, you know, an alternative to what your kind of traditional right. shoe has always been. So, gotcha. Yeah, and it's cool to me that you that you came up with the term zero drop because that's you know I, I didn't realize that was a a uh, you know trademark or branded term. People just throw it around like it's 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 what it is. And I think maybe people didn't realize that your story was this all was happening before the minimalist boom really started, right? I mean, this was yeah. you guys were the first ones to really be doing this, other than the you know, the people who ran barefoot to begin with, who, you know, the people who just never even had shoes, like the uh, Tarumar, you know, those types. Yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned that you thought the... Can I, can I interject real Please quick? Please do. I think, um, and I appreciate you mentioning that. Um, and I think the real interesting thing there is zero drop was a cushion shoe term. It was referring to the cushioning in the shoe, you know, right? Um, and, and how the cushioning no longer dropped from the heel to the toe. And so I think it's ironic that um, the likes of Merrill and New Balance and others took the shoe and made made it or took the term and made it kind of an uber minimal term. Right. Okay. Um, so you, did, you didn't zero drop doesn't have to be minimal or it didn't even isn't supposed to be. No, it, it was never meant to be. Um, I mean, uh, it it it's actually referring to the cushioning in the shoe. We were modifying very traditional best selling cushioned running shoes, um, and. Uh, you know, I think that's the thing that kind of gets lost. And frankly, when our our shoes came out, people didn't know what the heck to do with them. You know, it was like, well, they're they're zero drop, but they're cushy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? Uh, and they look like feet with socks. You know, it was like it was just this really like I mean, people really had no idea. You know, because it was so different at the time. It was just so out there. Um, right. And even right after we got started, then minimalism hit. And even then, it was like, well, these shoes aren't minimal, you know? Yeah, it's like right. people just didn't know what to do. They're not minimal. They're not traditional. We don't know what to do with them. So, Yeah. So, okay. So let's talk about cushioning because that, like, that, that that's obviously what you guys do is, I mean, you have some more minimal versions of your shoes and you have more maximal versions. Uh, but, but, I mean, what do you think about cushioning? Is, is cushioning a, a bad thing? Is it better if you, if as a runner, you can do it without cushioning and you can do the minimalist thing? Or, or do you think that that serves a you know a, a vital purpose in just someone looking say to run their fastest marathon or, or run an ultra? Um, I mean, you know, what what is the role of cushioning? Um, you know, from an injury standpoint, uh, if we were all running around on the African savanna, then uh, you know, no cushioning would be great. And ideally, I think you know we'd we'd all be running around on the African savanna with no uh, with no cushioning, and we'd be fine. And that would be an ideal state for less injuries. Uh, when it comes to speed, we know scientifically a little bit of cushioning, not a lot, m mind you, um, a very lightweight shoe with a little bit of cushioning is absolutely faster than barefoot. Um, so from a speed perspective, there's there can be an argument made for cushioning. Um, and then, uh, you know, you talk about running a marathon or an ultra, and this is where it gets really interesting, is um, it really depends on what your issues are, because... Uh, the research shows that when you wear a softer shoe or a more cushioned shoe, you actually impact the ground harder. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and, and your joints, uh, the higher, the higher your heel is elevated, the more torque your joints take. Um, and, and you so, impact harder because your body just senses that there's cushioning and says, okay, it's okay to land hard. Is that all it is? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, it's like, I, th I think McDougal 
references this in his book, but the gymnasts in the Olympics a couple Olympics ago, they put so softer mats in thinking it would help the gymnasts. And what happened is the body knew, the bodies of the gymnasts knew that the mat was softer and therefore to find stability, their bodies inherently just hit the mats harder. And they ended up having a lot more problems and injuries. And partway into the competition, they actually had to take the soft mats out and bring the old firmer ones back in, um, which allowed the gymnasts to actually, their bodies to make the self-adjustment and land softer and find a stable landing. And the same is true with shoes. Um, this is you know, research done by Ben O'Nig up in Canada. Um, multiple studies show that um, you know, the softer the shoe you wear, the harder you hit the ground. Um, and just imagine yourself running barefoot on something soft like sand and how hard you hit versus uh, running on concrete without your shoes on. Uh, you, your body just automatically makes that adjustment. And so from, from a joint standpoint, uh, you know, staying away from cushioning makes sense. And uh, you brought up, you know, minimalism earlier. Uh, from, from a barefoot running and a minimalist standpoint, there's still a lot of people out there that swear by the fact <clears throat> that barefoot running and minimalism improved their form and got rid of their knee, knee and joint injuries, basically. But we also know there's a huge chunk of people who blew the crap out of their feet. Mm -hmm. And that's where cushioning gets interesting because we know where cushioning does work is at the point of impact, uh, which in the case of running is the feet. Um, I always like to draw the analogy of boxers. Um, you know, the, your boxing gloves typically protect your hands pretty well, um, but those guys have just destroyed shoulders. Um, so, um, so that's kind of the, the way it works. And same thing here. You go with a more cushioned shoe, you're going to protect your feet, but you're likely to expose your joints a little bit more, and vice versa. You go with a less cushioned shoe, um, you know, your joints are going to be better off but your feet are going to take a little bit more of a beating. And uh, that's that's kind of the trade-off and the balance that we're always trying to seek a happy medium for. Yeah, I like that a lot. That was one of the big takeaways for me from hearing you talk was was that I remembered the boxing comparison, and that, that made total sense that that is a trade-off between cushioning and not cushioning. You're trading you're trading having good feet for having good joints, and it's it's kind of one of the others. So you got to find the balance in there. Um, so when you mentioned... And I'm curious, just this is sort of an aside, but you mentioned before that you thought the the big built-up heel on a shoe was, was because of either the weight or that it was catching the ground because it was so big. I mean, do you think that's more the issue, or was it just more that people had this big shoe on and they that it didn't hurt all of a sudden um, to run like that so so you could just – your body just does it? Is it is it that, or was it more that the – you know, because that's an issue of, of cushion. You know, what you were talking about was more was an issue of of a bigger heel than toe, right, a, a big draft, yeah. and then – the other question is is one of just too much cushioning. I mean, what's are are both of those the problem with with the modern running shoe that it's that it's you know both not and, and I don't mean ultras of course, but like that it's not zero drop and it's too much cushioning. Yeah, uh, I think so for sure. Um, the interesting thing is, um, you know, we take a shoe with a fifteen millimeter drop that has no cushioning in the forefoot, so you only have heel cushioning, mm -hmm. and we still see the same thing happen. Okay. Um, so it's hard to say that getting rid of cushioning, you know, in the front half of the shoe changes people's form magically because it doesn't. And the other thing is we still see uh, just an enormously long transition time because the body is still saying, 
oh no, I'm going to land on something hard. I need the brace for impact. And bracing for impact is great because it protects your joints, but it's so hard on your feet and that drives the transition time up. So um, back to what you're saying about the raised heel. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's both, it's, it's a combination of all of those things. It's, it's the weight in the heel causes the foot to dorsiflex more or basically drives the heel down towards the ground. It pops the toes up. Mm-hmm. And then the excess height of the heel, um, because that foot is dorsiflexed more at that point, uh, the excess height of the heel actually causes uh, people to land early um, or you know, out in front of their body where they receive more impact before their body gets in its natural impact-absorbing position which is closer to underneath the body of a bent knee. And then just the fact that you have on a shoe that's doing that, um, like you said, um, you know, it just kind of teaches the body, oh, whatever, it's, it's comfortable, <laughs> I guess, I can do it. And so it's actually manipulating the body to run differently than the body would, would naturally run or was, was evolved to run or whatever. And uh, I love McDougall's comparison here. Um, he says... It's basically like putting an oven mat, an oven mitt over an egg before you smash it with a hammer. Mm-hmm. The beating is still happening. It just, it just doesn't feel as bad. It doesn't make as much noise. It doesn't look as messy. Yep. And at a joint level, that's that's true. You know, um, putting an inch of gel or air or whatever underneath your heel merely makes doing something that is not natural comfortable. Um, but it's not actually fixing the problem. It's just making it comfortable to do something that's not natural because anybody with half a brain can take their running shoes off and try and run down the road without a shoe on and land the same way they do, you know, overstriding, landing on their heels excessively, um, without a shoe. And it's, it's an extremely painful experience. It doesn't last more than a few steps. People self-modify right away. And, you know, I don't want people to mistake me. I, I don't have anything wrong with a light heel strike. Um, it's just the more excessive, typical, overstriding checkmark heel strike that we see from, you know, a lot of runners. Right. Okay. And so, and you guys make a fairly maximal shoe, the, the Paradigm. Is that right? That the yes. That one, that one in the Olympus, which is even a little more max than the Paradigm. Okay. So, so and, and I mean, are you just making that for the person who has, who has foot problems? And obviously you guys are already addressing foot stuff with the, with the, foot-shaped shoe which has a much bigger toe box than a typical shoe um i mean like do do you think the the big the hoka the big you know huge shoe does that is that a good thing to be wearing for 50 miles and 100 miles or or are people asking for problems down the road at the you know in exchange for not having their feet hurt as bad during an ultra (laughs) (laughs) there's a there's a little of both there for sure um and we we actually warn people on the website you know if you look at the product description for the olympus there's there's a statement there that is you know, running in a shoe with a lot of cushioning um, makes it so your foot doesn't have to get have to work as much, and mm-hmm. therefore your foot will get um, weak over time, and that will expose you to more problems down the road. So we recommend trading off with um, even when you're you know wearing a maximal shoe, we recommend trading off with uh, a less cushioned shoe to help keep your feet strong and whatnot. So, and that's the main thing uh, we saw. I mean, out here in the Rockies. Maximal shoes were popular here years before they started to get popular anywhere else. And I had friends wearing them kind of from the beginning. And the thing we saw is um, a lot of these guys went to them and wore nothing but, you know, maximal shoes for a year or two. 
And uh, after, you know, a, a long period of time, we started seeing like ankles just snapping left and right <laughs> and people breaking bones in their feet because the muscles in the foot weren't strong enough to, you know, hold everything together basically. And then to top it off, these guys are going out on, you know, 50 to hundred mile runs. And so, yeah, you know, a, at the end of the day, the more you put under your foot, the more you're casting the foot, the weaker your foot gets. It's kind of like wearing a cast on a broken arm to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can cause problems. So we definitely recommend offsetting, you know, any, anything like that with wearing, you know, less cushioned shoes and, or doing a little bit of, a little bit of barefoot running on the grass, you know, um, it, that can go a long way or some single leg, you know, balancing exercises, all that kind of stuff. Right. And by the way, on the topic of, uh, this is not really exercises, but the, the, you guys have a great little form thing that you, that you did, you based your clinic, you know, the little half hour clinic that we did at, at the Runners World event. Um, do you know, what's the URL of that just for people who are listening of the, you know, to get those four or five form keys? Yeah, it's, uh, ultra run better.com. Okay. So A L T R a run better.com. Yeah. It's very and, cool site. I mean, good, yeah. good page. It makes it very simple, which I think is the good way to do form. Just a few simple keys and uh, they're, they're very useful and easy to, easy to remember too. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we've talked about zero drop, which is certainly one of the pillars of, of the ultra brand. All your shoes are zero drop, right? Without exception. That is correct. Yeah. Okay. And then, and the other thing that makes ultra ultra to me in my mind is, is the, the foot shape of it, right? I mean, is that, yes. that's your other big thing or am I missing part of the brand there? Is that, are those it? Yeah, I mean, those are the two biggies, obviously. Um, and, you know, I, I consider the foot-shaped toe box paramount. It is the thing um, that is really the most beneficial. And okay. Why uh, is that? You know, at my running store, we were doing the, you know, we, we did form all along, but um, before we were modifying shoes to zero drop, we were modifying shoes to get more, more uh, toe room. So we're actually making customers buy a size, size and a half bigger than they were used to, um, or maybe not making, but strongly encouraging. Mm-hmm. And then we would actually skip the bottom couple of laces so that the shoe is just really, we we're trying to get them as much room as possible because uh, we kind of stumbled on it by accident, but we had customers with like uh, neuromas or um, metatarsalgia, kind of, you know, any kind of forefoot pain type of stuff. Um, and then also plantar fasciosis. And we, we kind of stumbled on this. We found that when people got a bigger shoe and we skipped the laces down low and gave them more room, these types of foot injuries tended to melt away or get significantly better. And so this was kind of the first shoe modification that happened in my life, really, that was a big one that was kind of permanent that we had years of testing on was, you know, give people's feet room to be feet. And um, you know, you're going to see a big change. Gotcha. So, and and I mean, for someone who's never done that, it's it's really different. Your your foot really does spread out, and as you mentioned, it, it takes a little while. Like at first, and I noticed this exact thing during the 5K and 10K at the Runners World event. That at first, I was just kind of like my toes were clenched up and kind of gripping, like they do in a regular shoe, just pushed together because you're so used to that. But uh, when I actually thought about it, I was like, okay, they can actually spread out, and it's just a totally different feel you know to have your toes spreading out to the extent that they can in a shoe um i mean you think that you think that's a pretty significant thing in 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 preventing injury yeah i i do for sure just after watching it for years and years and years that when we can get people's foot to out all of a sudden everything relaxes and you know if you look at 
you know, bunions may have a little bit of genetic predisposal, but a bunion is set off by the shoe bending the big toe in at the end of the day. You know, that's what that's what accelerates the process and, and causes the problem and the, the morph over time and, and the pain uh, for most people. And then neuromas are just pinched nerves, basically, um, in between the met heads up in the forefoot. And again, if you can get the foot spread out and relax, you're basically pulling all the pressure off of those um, nerves and you're, you're unpinching them, basically. Plantar fasciosis, really similar. Um, when the arch stays tight and the big toe is bent in, it cuts blood flow off. That lack of blood flow is what causes the, um, the death of the tissue or, or the dying of the tissue there. And, you know, um, hence why we now call this plantar fasciosis and not plantar fasciitis like we used to. Right. Um, the community used to think that it was inflammation related and it's not, there's no inflammation. Um, so all these things, you know, as soon as we can get the foot to relax and, and spread out, um, you know, it takes care of a lot of problems, including, you know, a huge one is stability. Uh, we know when the big toe can kick out and straighten, it closes all the bone gaps all the way up to the heel. Um, and it makes it so the foot can't collapse inward. And so, any problems you might have with, um, you know, stability issues or your feet collapsing in. I tend not to use the word overpronation, um, even though that's, you know, probably what people are thinking, uh, simply because it's, it's not a definable term. We don't know how much pronation is too much, nor have we ever made much of a link between pronation and injuries. Um, and, and the running shoe industry wants you to think that if you pronate, that's going to cause injuries and therefore you need stability shoes. And it's just simply not true you know, go on the internet, look up the science. You're not going to find any scientific studies, um, that link pronation to injuries. Hmm. And so, um, you know, but at the same time, having your foot be stable and strong and in its natural position is a great thing. And, uh, it does make a difference, especially, you know, with people whose feet, you know, may collapse in heavily because they're weak or whatever, you know, you're going to put the bone structure in the right place. You're setting yourself up to succeed. This is the foundation of your house, you know, make it, as wide and as strong as you possibly can is kind of the calling card at the end of the day. And that's what the foot shaped toe box is all about. Um, and it's, it's kind of a three step, um, thing that happens in a foot shaped toe box that doesn't happen in a traditional shoe. When your foot hits the ground, number one, the foot is able to splay forward and outward and that helps absorb impact. So, you know, number one, you're hitting the ground and absorbing impact. Two is the foot splays out, and especially as the big toe kicks out and forward, it's able to stabilize the foot. And so you're getting a wider base of support. Um, think of doing push-ups with your um, fingers spread apart versus push-ups with your fingers all together. And, you know, it makes a big difference. So same thing with your, um, you know, how much more stability you're going to get with your feet. So again, number one, you know, foot hits the ground, spreads, disperses impact. Number two as the foot spreads out, you're going to get a more wide, stable base of support. And then number three, because it's in this um, more natural, wider, stable position, the foot's actually able to push off the ground more powerfully. So you get that one, two, three, bang, bang, bang that happens in the gait cycle that can make a big difference at the end of the day. You know, in three miles, six miles, it might be kind of nice. At mile 47, big deal. <laughs> right, right. Real big yeah, so. and I think it was you that mentioned that that in cultures where they only wear open-toed shoes traditionally, like they don't, they just don't have a lot of these foot problems that we've made up names for and, and have, right? 
Yeah, it's fascinating data. Um, so yeah, if, if we look at cultures that don't wear open-toed shoes, or don't wear closed-toed shoes, sorry, um, the incidence of foot problems is 3%. That's a three. <laughs> uh-huh. um, in America, where we have the quote-unquote best shoes in the world, uh, our foot problems are so bad that 73% of us, almost three out of four of us, take time to report our foot pain. So basically, we go to a doctor or a podiatrist or, you know, um, you know, somewhere and say, my feet hurt, I need help. Um, so, you know, 3%, 73%, you know, you tell me if raised heels and um, tapered toe boxes are, are causing a problem for people. Right. Yeah, that is fascinating. All right. So, so zero drop uh, is pillar number, well, maybe that's pillar number two. Number one would be the, the, the foot-shaped toe box. And number three, of course, which I know you had in mind when you founded the company, was that was that all your running shoes are vegan, right? Ha! All of our running shoes are vegan. Yes. Awesome. Which I'm sure wasn't really part of the company, but uh, but it's true. And so I, I think that's a great thing, uh, especially for this audience. People really do care about that, and uh, I hope you guys keep it that way because I've I've seen some other brands that that started out that way, and then then they seem to go a cheaper route eventually, and and just put you know use animal glue or whatever. But that's important to a lot of people, so I hope you guys will uh, will stick with that. Yeah, um, we started with kind of a quite a bit of an eco story as well. So oh, cool. we're okay. using, you know, the first factory we went to, I was like so uncomfortable with producing in China, but literally like 99% of running shoes, high-end technical running shoes are, are produced real close to Hong Kong. And so I went and lived in the factory for a month and we ended up putting natural tree rubber on the shoes. It was cool watching them just drag these huge rolls of rubber off of trees hmm. just right into the factory. And then, um, we use recycled um, compounds for our A-bound. Our A-bound is kind of like a bouncy ball. It's basically a recycled bouncy ball layer of that that we have in our shoes. Um, and then uh, recycled footbeds as well. The insoles uh, have recycled material. So there's a lot of kind of, you know, green story as well as, you know, um, the vegan story as well was, you know, kind of part of things from the beginning. We, we wanted to be as kind of friendly to the earth and uh things on it as possible so cool i did not realize that That, that's great to know uh all right so so i hope i hope people will check out ultra shoes uh they're they're just i'm i don't know i don't know what it is but i'm I'm fascinated by the brand i think it's fantastic it sounds to me like you you just really do have it figured out and uh i'm I'm glad to have had you on here so uh where should people check out check out ultra shoes what's the best place to go uh probably just go to our website uh ultra footwear or ultra running.com uh either way is good and uh, definitely check out check out the forum tips, uh, the the Run Better initiative on ultrarunbetter.com. That's uh, you know to me that may be the most important thing we do. Um, in addition to just educating people on how to protect their bodies and and getting onto you know natural surfaces and uneven surfaces. Cool. All right, and the last thing I, I can't let us go without mentioning this because I didn't realize it the whole time you were talking uh, when we were at the Runners World event. But that that you are, are something of an elite runner, or certainly were as a kid until you got this injury, and now you're kind of working your way back. But uh, you you think you have the record for for the 12 year old marathon, right? Yeah, world best for the 12 year old marathon. With correct. A 245, is that right? Two. Wow, you know your stuff. Yeah, well, 245. You know, I was amazed. <laughs> and, and and I think you ran a marathon. You said it like eight or nine or something, right? I did my first when I was 10. So I really wanted to when I was nine. My parents wouldn't let me. So okay. And. Ten was the uh, the first one, three hours and eight minutes, and uh, just kind of kind of got <laughs> got cool. out of hand from there. So yeah, that is amazing. That's very cool. And, it's uh, weird and now, to me too. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. 
Uh, and now, and now you're more an ultra guy, right? You, uh, you know, yeah. Now I, uh, I prefer. I don't know. I mean, I've been running five Ks this year simply because it's all my body will let me do. Uh, for mm -hmm. anyone that doesn't know, I had a, a big ski accident a couple of years ago that I'm still working back from, um, and uh, I can go long and slow, or I can go short and fast right now. So uh, when it comes to racing, the only thing I can really race at the moment is, uh, you know, a short fast gotcha so but you know i hope that but i've been doing a lot of long and slow too uh last year i became the first person to run to the top of all the eleven thousand foot uh mountains in the wasatch range here so oh, that was that. that was that was plenty of uh ultra distance stuff right there right so. cool all right well great to know all right golden thank you very much this has been really fun for me uh love the brand and i'm looking forward to trying out more shoes than than what i have right now um but uh, yeah, I'll, I will be writing, out, writing about Ultra a lot, and uh, and I'm a fan. So so thank you very much, and, and keep doing what you're doing. Awesome. And uh, I don't think we talked about this, but um, we ought to do a shoe giveaway to the listeners. Oh yes, so, we definitely should do that. Uh, so whoever wants to drop in a comment, um, we'll put them in a drawing, and uh, or or however you want to administer it. That we'll, works. Let's that make works it perfectly fine. Yeah, let's, we'll, let's let's just say leave a comment below the podcast page where it's posted, and. Uh, I guess I should mention the well. Let's see. For those who won't know where it is, um, yeah, whatever. If you go to let's say if you go to nomeatathlete.com/slash/ultra a l t r a, we will redirect that to the podcast page so that you can find it in, in case you you know just listen and don't usually go onto the site. Um, but yeah, go, so go to nomeatathlete.com/slash/a l t r a ultra, and uh, yeah, and enter, and then and then I guess we'll pick a winner, and they can they can pick out any shoe they want. Yeah, sounds good. All right, I'm thanks sure for we that. Could yeah, any shoe shoe of choice, and uh, you know if we want to work it through Facebook or, or those pages as well. We can do that too. So okay, cool, awesome. Uh, all right, well, thank you very much, Golden. I appreciate that. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. All right, talk to you soon. All right, thanks. All right, bye.